Church, would you take your Bibles and open them to the book of Mark, chapter 5, verses 1 through 20. Our message tonight is entitled, The Day of Deliverance. Mark, chapter 5, verses 1 through 20. I invite you to stand with me as I read through this section of Scripture. And I want you to follow along. And I would suggest that tonight as we read this passage, you do more than just listen to the words Uh, Just just allow your mind to recreate what this must have been like. Uh, Allow your mind to create this picture of what Jesus was doing in the life of this man that was in such terrible condition. I'm reading from Mark chapter 5 beginning with verse 1. They came to the other side of the sea into the country of the Gerasenes. When he got out of the boat, immediately a man from the tombs with an unclean spirit met him. And he had his dwelling among the tombs. And no one was able to bind him anymore, even with a chain. Because he had been bound with shackles and chains. And the chains had been torn apart by him. And the shackles broken in pieces. And no one was strong enough to subdue him. Constantly, night and day, he was screaming among the tombs and in the mountains and gashing himself with stones. Seeing Jesus from a distance, he ran up and bowed down before him. And shouting with a loud voice, he said, What business do we have with each other, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I implore you by God, do not torment me. For he had been saying to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And he was asking him, What is your name? And he said to him, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he began to implore him earnestly not to send send them out of the country. Now, there was a large herd of swine feeding nearby on the mountains. The demons implored him, saying, Send us unto the swine so that we may enter them. Jesus gave them permission. And coming out, the unclean spirits entered the swine, and the herd ran down the steep bank into the sea, about 2,000 of them, and they were drowned in the sea. The herdsmen ran away and reported it in the city and the country. And the people came to see what it was that had happened. They came to Jesus and observed the man who had been demon-possessed, sitting down, clothed, and in his right mind. The very man who had had the legion. And they became frightened. Those who who seen it described to them how it had happened to the demon-possessed man and all about the swine. They began to implore him to leave their region. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed was imploring him that he might accompany him. And he did not let him, but he said to him, Go home to your people and report to them what great things the Lord has done for you. And how he had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in Decapolis the great things Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed. 
Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we are reminded tonight that you have power over the devil and that victory is in you, that you are our victor and that we do not have to be bound in chains. We don't have to be spiritually imprisoned for you have come to set the captives free. You've come to liberate us. For those of us who know you, Lord, we know that liberation. We know what it's like. Sometimes we don't walk in it. Sometimes we choose to go back into the prison house. Have mercy upon us, Lord. And then there are those here who don't know you. They are in darkness. They're under the domain of darkness, the domain of the devil. I pray that you'll open their eyes to the truth tonight, and that they would be saved. And I pray you'll take your precious word and teach us. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you be seated, please? We live in what we call the land of liberty. And aren't you glad? Don't you love that you are an American? That you live in a country where freedom prevails? And there are many people who have to pay the price for that freedom to be secured and for us to continue to have freedom. We're very thankful for that freedom. But there are many people who enjoy physical freedom while living in spiritual bondage. That is, they can go and come as they please physically. But spiritually, they are captives. In Mark chapter 5, verses 1 through 20, Jesus confronted several men who were gripped in the darkness of demon possession. In this passage, Jesus displayed his supernatural power over the forces of darkness. And this is very significant. Jesus is telling everyone through this story that he is all-powerful. That Satan, although he is powerful, is nothing in comparison to God. Nothing in comparison to God the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. The same power that was used to set the demon-possessed men in this passage free can also free you from your spiritual bondage. And anyone you know who is experiencing that type of imprisonment, Jesus Christ has come that we might have life and have it in abundance. He has come that we might walk in freedom And that freedom is being offered tonight. And I hope if you don't know the Lord Jesus, you'll yield your life to him and be saved. This very night, if you are a Christian, it is my prayer that you will walk in the freedom every day that has been provided for you. Because sadly, there are many Christians who have their salvation because they've trusted Jesus to save them. But yet they are walking in bondage. Satan has blinded them to the extent that they cannot find the freedom that God has so graciously provided. And friend, that ought not to be. If you find yourself in bondage tonight, I'm here to tell you some good news. And that is Jesus Christ will free you if you will look to him and provide. He will provide for you the power that you need. So let's look at this passage together and see some things about this story. I think that will be informative and encouraging for you tonight. 
First of all, I want you to see the demoniac before Jesus. We begin to read now again in verses 1 and 2. Notice his place. They came to the other side of the sea into the country of the Gerasenes. Now, if you have visited the Sea of Galilee, and some of you will be visiting with me in just about two weeks, we'll be at the Sea of Galilee. It's a beautiful location. It's a freshwater lake, and uh, it is just a glorious thing to behold. But uh, you can navigate this uh, this lake quite easily, and in the time that Jesus lived, his headquarters was located around Capernaum, and he ventured into all the cities and villages around that region. And if you cross over from west to east, from the in the Sea of Galilee, you'll come on the eastern side to this location where Jesus is going to be confronting the demon-possessed men. Now, if you'll notice here in this passage, the Bible says they came out to the other side of the sea in the country of the Gerasenes. The Gerasenes were primarily, this area, these people were Gentile people. And this was known as a Gentile area. And so it would be considered really, uh, to some extent, to be unclean in certain regions for the Jews to venture into. Because it was uh, dominated by the Gentile people. And they even had swine. They had pigs. That they, that they had uh, uh, using there uh, to, uh, to grow and to sell for profit. And the Bible says in verse 2, when he got out of the boat, immediately a man from the tombs with an unclean spirit met him. Now, just a little notation for you. Here in Mark, the Bible says that there was one man. One man is the focus. Is the focus. Now, in uh, Luke's gospel, as well as Matthew's, Two men are mentioned. And so we know that there were, uh, there were more than uh, one man. But in Mark, one is the focus. Apparently this person stood out above the, the other two. Was probably more dominant and more aggressive. And so gets the attention here by Mark. But nonetheless, that's not the primary focus of the story. The primary focus of this passage is that Jesus has power over the devil. And we see that borne out in this text tonight. So that was the place where he was. But let's go a little deeper and look at his problem. We see that when Jesus got out of the boat, here this man runs up to him in the tombs. So this is a place for the dead. Uh, This is where people put their loved ones once they had died in these tombs. And that is not a place that any normal thinking person would live. I mean, it's, it's unusual as you first read it. You, you feel it's, it's kind of an eerie feeling, isn't it? To think that there would be someone living there in the tombs, living among the dead. That's just kind of a bizarre, and, and a bizarre thing. As a matter of fact, it, it's, I think, important to point out that many times when people begin to delve and to study the occult, that they become infatuated with death. Have you noticed that? And they're infatuated with things of the, of the dark side. Uh, they might start dressing in that way to reflect that very uh, mindset. They will, will don black clothing, paint their finger, fingernails black. And, and they are, are projecting a spirit of darkness that they have embraced. It's very unfortunate and I think it's indicative that a person has, uh, has communicated with the, the demonic And is flirting with things that are dangerous. And so this passage bears out the fact that this man is living among the tombs. Living among the dead. 
And no one was able to bind him anymore even with a chain because he had often been bound with shackles and chains and the chains had been torn apart by him and the shackles broken in pieces and no one was strong enough to subdue him. Uh, This tells us that he had supernatural strength. The demonic forces within him enabled him to be far stronger than any normal man would be. He was out of control. Uh, This man appeared to be insane. No one could constrain him. No one could bind him. He was in a very terrible condition. Verse 5 tells us constantly... Night and day he was screaming among the tombs and in the mountains. Here this man was roaming among the tombs as well as throughout that region. And he would scream like a wild beast. You know sometimes we live, as we live here in South Georgia. I don't know if around your house but uh, I can hear uh, these wild beasts at night. You ever heard of these coyotes as they come through your area and they're making these loud uh, sounds. And it, it's a... It's a eerie feeling to hear them isn't it can you imagine though if you had a human being created in the image of God walking among the dead screeching and screaming violently wailing people hearing this in the night and even in the day as this man is roaming to and fro screaming aloud I know where we uh, lived Previously, in front of our house, regularly, there was this man who would walk to the store, back and forth down the street. And as he walked down this road, he would, he would just scream out vulgarities. As people passed by in cars, he would scream at them. He would shout at them. Now, he, he never committed any violence. And he didn't appear to be violent in terms of any behavior other than he would just be screaming at people and using vulgarities just out of control in that sense. And when you, when you see something like that, it's unnerving because that's not the way God intends for people to live. God wants people to live under control. He wants them to be submitted to him and then... Allow him to live through them, exhibiting the type of calm and peace that God is able to provide. So here's a man who's obviously affected by the demonic. And uh, he's screaming, going back and forth. And not only that, but he's gashing himself with stones. He would take stones and rip open his flesh and mark his body. All of these are signs of a person who is who was completely out of control. As you read the other Gospels, you'll find this man was like foaming at the mouth. This man was just, he was just consumed by the demonic. He was controlled by demons and a very terrible condition to be in. He was a slave. This man was enslaved by demon forces. I read the story about Abraham Lincoln after he saw slaves being sold on the auction block in New Orleans said there was rising hatred inside of me against slavery 
And I swore if someday I could do something about it, I would do something about it. Seeing these men in bondage to demons, Jesus was moved with compassion. The very purpose for which Jesus came was to set the captives free. As you can see in this passage, he could and he did do something about it. And we'll see that as the story unfolds. But these are men who were possessed by demons. You say, well, where do demons come from? Well, as we studied a few weeks ago on a Sunday morning, we talked about the fall of Lucifer and how he drew a third of the stars. That word stars is the word for messengers or angels. He drew a third of the angels with him in his rebellion. And Satan is the chief cherub over these wicked spirits, these demons. And they are orchestrated, they are organized, they are administered to afflict the people of God and to oppose everything God is for. You may wonder, well, why would Satan be so opposed to me? I'll tell you why, because he's against everything God is for. God is for you. God loves you. God has demonstrated his love at the cross through his crucifixion and resurrection. And because God loves you and you're created in the image of God, Satan would love nothing more than to violate you, to oppress you, and yes, even possess you. I do not believe that Christians can be possessed by demons, but I certainly think that we can be oppressed by them. And I would say to you, we have to be very careful that we walk daily with the Lord as believers so that we are not influenced by the devil. So these are demons inflicting their harsh punishment and bondage on these men. That's the demoniac before Jesus. Then notice the deliverance by Jesus. Isn't it good to know that we serve a master that is able to deliver us We see Jesus' position in verses 6 and 7. Seeing Jesus from a distance, he ran up and bowed down before him. Now here's this man. Demons are inside of him. But when Jesus enters the, the premises, when he comes on the scene, what happens? This man who's under the control of demons now. He runs up and falls down and bows down before Jesus. And shouting with a loud voice, he said... What business do we have with each other, Jesus, son of the most high God? I implore you by God, do not torment me. So he is identifying here Jesus as being one of authority over him. And he even poses the question, what business do we have with each other, Jesus, son of the most high God? I find it interesting that Uh, This demon that is speaking is able to recognize something the religious leaders had missed. And that is Jesus was in fact the Messiah, the son of the most high God, who came to this earth to free us from bondage through the cross and resurrection that he displayed for us. But here these demons are, are beginning to acknowledge the position of Christ, that he is God in human flesh that he has come and they 
they don't want to, uh, to do business with Jesus. They, they don't want to be bothered by him. They want to be left alone. And, and when Jesus steps onto the shoreline there on the eastern side of the Sea of Galilee, uh, they are threatened. And so they bow before him, acknowledging his position, and then also acknowledging, notice, we see his, his power on display. Read with me in verse 8. For he had been saying to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And he was asking him, What is your name? And he said to him, My name is Legion, for we are many. So Jesus begins to say to this demon, Come out of this man. Now when Jesus lays his eyes on this man who is afflicted by these demons... We know that his heart is moved with compassion. And he wanted to do something to help this man. He wanted to relieve him of his suffering. He wanted to set him free because this man was not created for that purpose. He was created to have a relationship with his creator. To walk with dignity as a creation of God made in the very image of God. He was not made to be in bondage. He was not made uh, to be filled with fear and insane. He was created to bring honor and glory to God. And so Jesus now is going to interrupt what this demon had been doing in the life of this man. And notice Jesus asked him, what is your name? And he said, my name is Legion for we are many. The word Legion there has to do with a Roman company of soldiers that would number up to 6,000. The implication is here that there were many demons living inside of this man. Now, was it exactly 6,000? Most likely not. It's just a, a means of saying that many demons lived inside of this unfortunate man. And so he's under the control, not of just one demon, although one is speaking here, but many demons are represented by this one predominant one. Verse 10 tells us, and he began to implore him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now, uh, here, this, uh, this demon had already said in verse 7 that he did not want Jesus to torment him. What, what is he saying? What he's speaking about, how he does not want to be sent to Uh, The place of torment. The Bible says that there are demons now that have been placed in outer darkness. It's just a euphemism of a place of confinement. A place of torment. So not all demons are, are free to roam the earth. You need to understand that. Some demons are so vile and wicked that God has chosen because of their behavior on the earth. To to confine them to a place of torment. These demons are quite aware of that. And we know that they don't want to be confined. They don't want to be put in torment prior to the appointed time, which is surely to come. And we know that will come to the end of things as we know it. We've talked about that briefly before. And uh, the casting of Satan and his demons into the lake of fire, that will come. And so they don't want to go there. They know that uh, they still have some time to... Uh, to roam the earth, and so they, they make that request. But we see in all of this that, that the, 
the power of God is per- predominant. And then notice also in verses 11 through 13, Jesus' permission. Now, there was a large herd of swine feeding nearby on the mountains. The demons implored him, saying, send us into the swine so that we may enter them. Now, it, it seems as if demons desire to be in something. That is, in a person or, or are in some type of animal. And, and that is what we can conclude from that statement. The demons implored him saying, send us into the swine so that we may enter them. And Jesus gave them permission and coming out, the unclean spirits entered the swine and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the sea. There was about 2,000 of them and they were drowned in the sea. So these uh, demons come out of the man as commanded by the Lord Jesus Christ. They go into the swine that Jesus had permitted them to enter. The swine violently run over the cliff and they fall down into the waters of the Sea of Galilee and they drown. Just a very bizarre story, isn't it? A very strange thing to, to read about and to contemplate. But these demons are responding to Jesus' command that they release this man from bondage. Jesus delivered this man from demon possession. And that's what you need to remember about this story. Is that Jesus Christ has the power and the authority to control what demons do. They can do nothing without his permission. And they are at work in the world. You may say, well, why in the world would God allow these demons to work in the world? Why does he just destroy them? They have been defeated at the cross, certainly. But the process of time, as we continue to to live out this present age, these demons are at work trying to thwart the work of God, yet God is going to demonstrate over and over again his power over the demonic forces. They are, they are already defeated and they will ultimately be shamed and incarcerated forever and in a place of torment. So we see here the deliverance by Jesus. Then notice the displeasure with Jesus. Kind of a twist on the story here. You would think that everybody would be celebrating the deliverance of those who were in bondage to the demons. But that is not the case. We see the fame of Jesus as it spreads throughout. Verse 14 tells us, their herdsmen ran. They ran away and reported it in the city and in the country. And the people came to see what it was that had happened. So the news is beginning to spread about what Jesus had done. Now you would think that this is common, right? It is common that when something happens like this that's unusual, people are going to talk about it. I mean, if they had social media in that day, I'm sure that they would be asking questions. If they had any photographs, they would be sending out photos. Look at what happened to the demoniac, the crazy man in the village. He, he's now, he's not doing those bizarre things he used to do. And they'll be all talking about it. It would be a buzz throughout the community. Well, that's what, what is happening here. The news of Jesus's uh, deliverance of this man is beginning to spread. 
And, uh, and then we see not only the fame of Jesus, but the fear of Jesus. Verses 15 and following. They came to Jesus and observed the man who had been demon-possessed. Notice this now. Sitting down, clothed, and in his right mind, the very man who had had the legion, and they became frightened. Now, if you'll notice that you have a completely different man now. The Bible says that he is, rather than being out of control, naked, running through the village, running through the mountains, running through the, uh, the place of the dead, the cemetery there, cutting himself with stones, he's under control. He is seated at the feet of Jesus. He is clothed and in his right mind. By the way... When a person gets right with the Lord, it's amazing how they start putting clothes on. Just a little side note there. They start putting, they start dressing modestly. And this man, is, he's covered himself up. He's now sitting in his right mind at the feet of Jesus. And the people become frightened because they knew that this man was the crazy man. They knew that this man was out of control and no one could bind him. And now here he is at Jesus' feet. And verse 16 tells us those who had seen it described to them how it had happened to the demon-possessed man. And all about the swine and they began to implore him to leave their region. I can remember as a little boy wondering why would people want Jesus to leave their region? You may be asking that question tonight. Why would these people want Jesus to leave when he brought such restoration to this man that was out of control? I mean, it would be like Jesus coming to our town and because of his influence, all the people who are dealing drugs and all the people who are breaking in and stealing and fighting, all of a sudden they had a complete change of attitude and disposition and behavior, and now rather than doing those violent acts, they're actually helping people and and being concerned about people, and then you want Jesus to leave your town for doing that. It doesn't make any sense, does it? Some people are able to get used to the demonic in control. Some people are able to be accepting of People who are living in bondage. It's just a common thing. It's normal to them. And so they come to accept it. Folks, we should not accept the conditions the way they presently are. We should not accept when people are living out of control and be comfortable with it. And I'm afraid that this is a good picture of where we are in many of our churches today. We have become comfortable with the status quo. We become accepting of people in bondage and just assume, well, there's no better, nothing can be done, so that's just the way it is. Folks, we need a demonstration of God's power in our community, in our church, in our homes. And God is just as capable today of bringing about healing and restoration as he was so many years ago. The problem is the church is lacking in faith. And we're not seeking the Lord the way we should. And far too many of us have compromised and and we have dabbled with the things of the dark side that we have no business being interested in. And here Jesus 
because of his great love for this man and his deliverance of this man from bondage now, uh, they, they don't like it. The community is, is wanting him to leave their region. You know, once slavery was ended in this country, there were many slaves who continued to serve their former masters. They'd been set free. But they just didn't realize it. Also, slavery was the only life they ever knew. In like manner, some believers don't understand their freedom in Christ. Others have become so used to their bondage that they no longer believe that that freedom is even a possibility. Don't let this opportunity to escape the shackles that have been imposed upon you by Satan to pass you by. It's time to be free. It's time to enjoy the victory that Christ has provided for you. And you receive that big victory by faith. So here is the displeasure that some had toward Jesus. But then notice the devotion to Jesus. And I really love this. Look in verse 18 as we begin to draw this message to a close. The application that we find here is so important for us in our church today. Notice the devotion to Jesus. There was an appreciation for him. Verse 18. As he was getting into the boat, that is Jesus is getting back into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed was employing him that he might accompany him. Here is this man. Don't you think this is wonderful? Here this man, he, he runs up to Jesus and says, Jesus, please let me go with you. Jesus, you have set me free. I owe my life to you. I want to go with you. I want to stay with you. I want to be your slave. Here is a man filled with appreciation. You know, I think uh, we as Christians, sometimes we get over what God has done for us. God has been so good to us, we forget about the bondage he's relieved us from. We need to be careful, those of us who have been saved for a while. Sometimes we're not careful, we, we can... We can forget what we used to be. We need to remember what Jesus Christ has gotten us out of. How he has delivered us from the bondage of sin. How he has has transitioned us from darkness to light. How he has changed our future from being one of hell to heaven. We've been given an inheritance by the Lord. We have the seal of the Holy Spirit upon us. Living inside of us, God Almighty taking up residence within us. We are not who we used to be. We are not who we were. And we're not who we're going to be, certainly. But we, we are in the process of becoming all that God has called us to be. And, and we should be grateful for that. We should never forget that. Here's a man filled with appreciation. Then notice, uh, if you would, in verse 19. There's an assignment that comes from Jesus. Let me read about it. Here in verse 19, and and, uh, he did not let him. That is, Jesus said, no, it's not my calling on your life to come with me. He says to him, go home. 
Go home to your people and report to them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he had mercy on you. Go home. Go to your community. Let them see what I've done in your life. To me, this is an expression of God's great grace for those people who wanted him to leave their region. They had lost their pigs. They had lost this, this source of income. And they, they didn't want to, to lose anything else, so they were afraid. But Jesus, with great compassion for them, he sends the missionary back home. Go back. Let them see what I've done in your life. Folks, let me tell you, that's what Jesus is asking of us, is it not? He's asking us to go home and display the character of Christ to our children, to our spouses, to our neighbors, to our business associates, to our friends at school. He wants us to show the character of Christ by the way we live our lives. And there should be such a distinction. There should be such a contrast in the way we used to be and how we are now that people can say something's different. And they begin to appeal to us, what's changed? Are you reading some type of self-help book? Are you going to some type of class? Are you... Are you taking some type of course online? What's happened to you? And you'll be able to tell them what Jesus has done in your life about the mercy he has shown to you. And folks, we need to keep this in mind when we leave here in just a few minutes. We need to go out in this community and let people see Jesus in the way we live our lives. So he becomes an ambassador for Christ. Look in verse 20. And he went away... And began to proclaim in Decapolis the great things Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed. I love that. Because here he does what Jesus said do. He obeys him. Very simply. He just simply goes and bears witness of Christ. Did you know that we're witnesses for the Lord Jesus? And we need to go looking for opportunities to tell people about Christ. How is it that we as God's people can be so silent? How is it that we can be so quiet when it comes to the grace of God? How is it that we can get over His miraculous change in our lives so quickly? There's a world out there who needs to know Jesus. Now think about the bondage in our community. Think about the people who are ensnared by drugs and alcohol and poverty and sex and possessions. And the list goes on and on. They're in bondage, folks. I'm telling you, they're just as bound as this man as we read about in this passage tonight. Their bondage may look a little different But they are still in bondage. But we know who has the keys to their shackles. And his name is Jesus. And I'm telling you, just as Jesus 
said, I have come that they might have life and have it in abundance. He also said, I have come to set the captives free. He still has that power. He will still use it if we call upon him. Father, we thank you for your grace and mercy. And we're so grateful that you have set us free. We were in bondage to sin and self and to Satan. But you have broken our shackles and you have set us free. Now we have the freedom to walk in fellowship with you, Lord. We have the freedom to be used by you, to tell others about how they too can be free. Oh God, help us not to forget about what you've gotten us out of and also what you've kept us from. Help us to be willing to share this good news message with the world. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.